Your hands were made for greatness. Mighty hands for painting, paneling, and clicking the submit order button on homedepot.com to get that duvet. And these Egyptian cotton towels delivered right to your door. Do more with decor at the Home Depot. Save up to 30% on select bedding and bath. Now at homedepot.com. More saving, more kinds of doing. Ballot on select items online only. Free delivery on select items $45 or more. Enter promo code BEDBATH15 at purchase for an extra 15% off. Visit homedepot.com for more information. Welcome to Creating a Family, talk about adoption and foster care. Today we're going to be talking about a subject that's a little more near and dear to most of us than we would like, and that is de-escalation techniques for parents of kids who have experienced trauma. Like I said, this one is a near and dear topic uh, for all parents, and particularly, I think, parents who have kids who uh, have had early life struggles that are influencing their uh, behavior and ability to cope. Uh, Great topic, great show. Here's a sample of what you're going to hear. We're going to be um, talking mostly about TBRI today, which stands for Trust-Based Relational Intervention. Um, And really, it, it is just a parenting technique that helps us look at kind of what the behavior is is. Um, saying, you know, what, what is the message that our child is, is trying to give us? Um, kind of thinking of, of that behavior as more of an unmet need. This show is brought to you by Creating a Family. We are the National Adoption and Foster Care Education and Support Nonprofit. I'm Dawn Davenport. I'm your host and the director of Creating a Family. And you can find us and all of our resources online at creatingafamily.com. And we have a lot of resources on uh, this particular topic uh, under our Challenging uh, Behaviors uh, section on our site. You would uh, hover over uh, Adoption or Fostering, go to uh, the A to Z resources, and scroll down to Challenging Behaviors. The Creating a Family Show is underwritten by the Jockey Being Family Foundation, whose mission is to strengthen adoptive families through post-adoption services as their founder, Deborah Waller, chairman and CEO of Jockey International, says, one failed adoption is one too many. You can support their mission by buying a bear or a blanket at their website, jockeybeingfamily.com. And one of the things that Creating a Family does is partner with organizations who believe in our mission of providing unbiased uh, education and support to foster families and adoptive families. One of our partners is Vista Del Mar. They are a licensed and accredited nonprofit adoption agency in the LA area with over 65 years of experience helping to create families. They have three adoption programs a private infant program, an international program, and an adoption through foster care program. Today we are talking about de escalation techniques for parents of kids who have experienced trauma. Our guests today to talk about this important topic are Kamika Hart. She is the Therapeutic Family Specialist at Buckner Children and Family Services, and we also have Jennifer McCallum. She is the lead post-adoption counselor for Buckner Children and Family Services. Welcome both Kamika and Jennifer to Creating a Family. We're so glad to have you to talk about to have you here today to talk about this as I said really important topic and frustrating topic um, to uh to to parents of all sorts. Um Jennifer, I wanted to start with you. I think it would be helpful if we laid 
some basic groundworks of, of, of core principles that sure. uh, parents can keep in their heads. Uh, because when a kid is escalating, it's really hard to <laughs> it's really hard to keep anything in your head. It's hard not to escalate right yes. along with them. So yes. uh, I say that to someone who is, speaks from experience. So let's talk about some of the core practices. And then what I thought we would do is then go through some scenarios and see how we might apply those practices. So uh, if you can start us off with the basics. Sure, that sounds great. And we are we're going to be um, talking mostly about TBRI today, which stands for Trust-Based Relational Intervention. Um, and really, it, it is just a parenting technique that helps us look at kind of what the behavior is is um, saying. You know, what, what is the message that our child is is trying to give us? Um, kind of thinking of, of that behavior as more of an unmet need. Um, and so what TBRI does is really gives us some strategies to use um, and just some th- some things to think about not only um, when we're correcting behaviors, when, when um, we're needing to, to correct some of those meltdowns that happen, um, but it helps us kind of look at what else, what else might be going on. Is there kind of a, a sensory need? Is there a nutritional need? Um, and obviously along with what's, what's the behavioral need right now. Um, and some of, some of those basic values that, that TBRI really encourages um, using, we hear a lot about, you know, timeouts and um, TBRI is very, very focused on on um, co-regulating with our child and, and using time in um, versus versus time out, kind of bringing that child closer to you, um, you know, versus sending sending them away, you know, for a break. Um, we really we really focus a lot on um, resolution, talking about. Um, you know, con- you know, teaching children to ask for compromises, um, giving them choices versus um, just consequences right away, and and you know, which just helps teaching and in problem solving. Um, but I think something that's really important and that is so hard and for all of us, you know, as parents, is just in the midst of some of that frustrating behavior, whether you're at the grocery store and trying to get, you know, last-minute errands done after a long day of work, is just trying to kind of get back to the focusing on that child's, you know, preciousness um, and, and what, again, kind of what their behavior is saying. What's that unmet need? What are, what are they really needing? Um, and I think... The the neat thing about TBRI and what makes it so so helpful and able for parents to kind of just follow along is it gives very specific um, strategies that just help us help us be very proactive. It it gives us some short, easy sort of scripts to teach children, um, life value terms, and then. Um, Ways to just practice that, you know, we we really we love to role play um, and go through and and just help help kids really understand and have something to pull from when they're in that moment of anger and not being able to express, um, you know, what's going on. And okay, then. 
to summarize, just to see if I can summarize some of the core practices, core principles that we uh, need as parents to keep in mind when our children are having difficulty regulating, having difficulty calming down, uh, mm-hmm. getting back in control. One is to co-regulate with the child. Don't send the child away. Send, keep the child in your presence, time in. Yes. Uh, another one is teaching the child uh, some coping techniques, uh, and one of which is to ask for compromise uh, and to help them uh, figure out how to problem solve. And uh, another, uh, and the third one you mentioned was to work on uh, unmet, try to understand what the child's unmet need is because the behavior yes. is likely a reflection on an unmet need of some sort uh, that's being inappropriately uh, displayed. The, the need is not being explained in, in a way that is very helpful for you as a parent, but so you have to look deep. Right. <laughs> okay. You have to be a little bit of an investigator. <laughs> it's always just about trying to, to do that detective work and, and yeah. kind of go, yeah. Okay, and then the, the last one, I'm not sure it's really uh, a separate one, but that is to focus, I liked how you said that, focus on the child's preciousness. Uh, don't lose sight that this, this child uh, has value. And, that, and, and that's easy to say when they're uh, sleeping at night and they look angelic. It's not so easy when they're uh, face down uh, in the grocery store aisle screaming. So, no, it's uh, not. Kamika, <laughs> <laughs> uh, are there any other uh, core principles we need to keep in mind before we move on to some scenarios to apply these principles? Um, Thanks for asking. I think that um, one of the things that I try to make sure that parents understand before they even engage with the child is just making sure that um, they're able to kind of match um, the child's behaviors um, and as well as um, just being in a position to where they're at their level. Um, And then um, always I try to teach parents before a child becomes out of control is to try to engage them playfully, um, uh, making sure that they have eye contact and when they are um, getting ready to touch them to get their attention or something like that, that they use healthy touch as more of a guide than um, a direction. Um, And then making sure that their voice um, is something that um, they have in control, Um, being authoritative but without um, being um, scary, I guess you could say, Um, Mm -hmm. and just being mindful and aware of everything that's uh, going on with their situation, with their body language. Um, As Jennifer said, being a detective, being able to understand the environment that you're in, understand the child um, and what their body language might be giving off, as well as you being aware of what you might be giving off as well, because our children are able to read us just as well as we are able to read them. Kamika, what did you mean by match child's behavior at their level? Yes, okay. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I like to teach parents to mirror what their children are doing, not necessarily – you know, if your child is is throwing things, I don't want you to do that. Um, I do want you to, however, um, be able to um, increase their safety. Um, so say, for instance, if a child um, is sitting on the floor and their legs are crossed and they have that closed-off behavior, I would encourage a parent to sit on the floor with their legs crossed 
but face them so that um, the child sees that you want to be connected with them. And I think um, sometimes children don't understand um, what connectedness looks like. And so we have to teach, be teaching at all times in that moment. And so that's why I say uh, match the behavior. Um, sit down with them, be with them, be on their level so that they feel that connectedness with you. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. You don't mean um, that I should also throw a tantrum in the middle of the uh, aisle, although I must admit that that's kind of tempting <laughs> to lay face down in the aisle and, and throw my arms around too, but I assume that's not, um, that would not be productive. Uh, Correct. As it might be. All right. Let's jump to we ask our uh, Creating a Family has a really uh, large online community, and we ask them to send us some real-life examples of children who are escalating and uh, escalating behavior, and, and, uh, and we're going to work through these scenarios to apply some of the principles that uh, you two have just said. This is from Doreen. She said, Uh, this is a little long, but I'm going to go ahead and read it all because I feel like it captures uh, it captures well some of the frustrations uh, of of parenting and working with kids who who are struggling. Uh, she said, "I could give you a million examples, and that is just from this week, from this last week. My child goes from zero to sixty all the time. Everything can seem to be going well, and then something happens to flip the switch. Usually, the something that flips is being asked to do something that she doesn't want to do. I have I have listened to every single Creating a Family course on challenging behaviors and read every single article on your site. We have made progress, but it feels like we still have such a long way to go. I should add that my daughter was adopted at birth with no known trauma other than prenatal exposure, and she is now six. Here is a minor example, but one that has been hard to solve. We have a rule that before dinner we pick up toys. She throws a fit most days. This is a typical scenario. I give her a 10-minute warning that we will be picking up toys, and I set a timer. We eat dinner soon after the toys are picked up, so she has an incentive to do it. When the timer goes off, I start to help her pick up her toys. She argues or dwaddles, letting me do most of the work. If I stop until she's, if I, or she dwaddles, letting me do most of the work. If I stop until she starts to help, she gets angry. Or if I start to fuss, she explodes. If I stop helping her but tell her that she can't have dinner until the toys are picked up, she screams the entire time we are having dinner, ruining dinner for everyone else. I don't let her get too many toys out at one time so that there isn't a huge mess to clean up, but her reaction doesn't seem to depend upon the amount of mess. I find that I start to get a knot in my stomach every afternoon because I know that I'm going to have to fight this battle every single day. I have lost... I have lost it and took all of her toys away for a week, but when she had them again, the problem began again. Any help with this specific problem or with the general problem of her flying off the handle every time she is asked to do something that she doesn't want to do would be greatly appreciated. All right. Well, I think Doreen um, is – one thing I did want to point out that I thought was uh, interesting here is that it's important to realize that trauma can take – uh, many forms. In other words, uh, in this case, uh, as far as uh, uh, Doreen's daughter was uh, adopted at birth, but she did have prenatal exposure, which I think it's fair to note would be uh, it, prenatal trauma. Uh, so uh, anyway, I, I just think that's important to, to state at the beginning that, that when we say that that this behavior is, is often accompanies children who have experienced trauma, trauma can take many scenarios. All right, um, yes. Kamika, let's begin with you. All right, um, 
what would be some of the things if you were working with Doreen? Uh, you know, it seems to me Doreen's done a lot of the smart things, keep the mess to a minimum, have an incentive at the other end, help it working with her while she's supposed to pick up. Uh, you know, she's doing a lot of the things that I would normally have thought. So thoughts on what we could, uh, 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 specific things we could suggest for Doreen. Um, first off, I'd like to tell Doreen that she's doing an excellent job, um, mm-hmm. that there is not something that um, she is doing wrong. Um, if there is anything that I could suggest adding would be um, really before your day is started, I really think that um, they should work on regulation. Um, it sounds like throughout the day, Um, There are lots of times where the child might not be regulated and needs to be taught how to first co-regulate with mom and then learn to self-regulate by herself. Um, And so it sounds like if she's able to go from zero to 60, I really would suggest learning how to regulate with your daughter at least every hour to two hours. Um, and never go beyond that so that when it is time for those transition things, she understands what it's going to look like to regulate with you or to regulate by herself. It really does sound like she is out of out of sync throughout the day. Um, it so does. That Can you give something. me an example of what uh, regulating with your child would look like? What do you mean by that? Well, what some of the things that I um, teach parents to do is just – identifying what our feelings are. Um, So first, it is simply just throughout the day, identifying what your feelings are, um, as well as teaching the child to deep breathe. Um, One of the things that I think the smaller kids really enjoy is the candle blowing. Um, And it's not really a candle. It's truly just holding out your five fingers and blowing each finger out, taking deep breaths, making sure that that child is touching that tummy and really feeling what it feels like to have that stomach go in and have it come out. And then being able at the end of that to say, yes, I feel better, or yes, I feel a little bit different. Being able to identify what that different is. They're they're small, so they're not going to be able to say, hey, I totally feel relaxed on the inside. My body is just calm. Of course, they won't be able to do that, but she will be able to explain to you in some way, shape, or form, whichever her language is, how how she is feeling different. Um, And you'll even see it in her behavior. You'll see it in her eyes. You'll see it in her muscle tone. Um, Everything will look very different than what it looked before. Um, And so that's how you know that your kiddo is regulated, and you do that with them. And then when they're ready to self-regulate by themselves, you can send them. They can have a special spot um, in your home. Um, that is just for them and has just their things in it. Um, I love to call it my area, um, sometimes calm down areas, however they want to see it, but refrain from anything that could be negative, calling, causing uh, them to have like a negative um, attachment to that space. Um, but literally just allowing them to go there in their own special area and just really calming themselves. Um, so if that, I hope that answers your question, but that is something that is so important that needs to happen um, immediately with this family. So uh, working on regulation um, from throughout the day 
in particular when the child is is not escalating by identifying uh, but, you know, how are you feeling now? Or it looks to me like you're feeling excited or uh, it seems like you're getting frustrated or, or and doing um, even um, pictures of the little uh, 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 pictures of children having, have feeling different emotions or the little emojis of a, of a smile yeah. or a frown or, a, you know, steam coming out of your head type of thing and having the child use that to identify her, uh, her responses. Okay, uh, Jennifer. Thoughts on ways that uh, we might be able to help Doreen in um, uh, with uh, her little girl. Sure, and and all those tips that that Kamika gave are, are great as well. And one thing I, I thought about when she was talking about the blowing out the candle activity, um, yeah, because that deep breathing is is important, and sometimes it's helpful for mom and mom and dad to to breathe along with the child too. Oh, absolutely. Um, but there's a great, um, I think it was produced through um, Sesame Street, I believe, but it's just called uh, Bello, uh, Belly Breathing with Elmo. And it's a fun song. Um, and, you know, you can Google and find it very easily. And um, it's, it's just a fun song for kids to kind of sing along, and it teaches them some of those great um, deep, deep breathing techniques. Um, but I, I think also you, you brought up a, a great point, which is, kind of planning planning for you know these these meltdowns and and these challenges and and um i think just being proactive when the child is calm and when you're not in um you know at the at at the grocery store having having a meltdown um and so that's when you really want to to practice some of some of these um just kind of um scripts you know, te- you know, ge- being gentle and kind, showing respect, um, listen and obey, cooperate and compromise, um, just kind of going through and practicing some of those, and even even playing games um, that are that are going to encourage compliance. Um, something as simple as just red light, green light, um, um, and some some of those mirroring games where where you know the the child has to has to cooperate and compromise to kind of play the games, but it's teaching them compliance in a fun, mm-hmm. you know, in a fun way. And that way, when when you're when you're practicing some of those things, then when it is in the midst of a meltdown, um, they sort of have that that routine and 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 know what to expect um, from from their parent. Um, and it and it makes it more likely that that they are gonna are, are gonna cooperate. Um, you know, it seems to me in this scenario too that there is an advantage here that because this is happening with certain regularity, and, and hang with me here, I realize that from Doreen's standpoint, this is not an advantage, but the uh, fact far from it. But because it's happening with some regularity, it allows her to anticipate that it's going to happen so she can exactly. start some techniques ahead of time. You know, and the other thing that jumped out to me when I was uh, uh, reading Doreen's comment, I think that a lot of times children, uh, particularly uh, uh, kids who've experienced trauma, have trouble with transitions. And there's the Mm -hmm. unmet need, if we're looking for a need here, it seems to me that that Doreen's daughter is really struggling, struggling with 
potentially, and I don't know this, of course, I'm, I'm guessing, but it sounds like in this particular scenario she's struggling with stopping play and moving on to a, a, another mm-hmm. another activity, which dinner and the unwinding of a day, and that it it might help if they that she anticipates that this is going to be a difficult transition, and then so so not put it at the end of the day, uh, don't have, have pick up the toys three hours before dinner, and then uh, have outdoor play uh, where there isn't mm-hmm. a, a transition now that you, you still have a transition to coming in. Or uh, if, if the family allows screen time, use their uh, one hour of screen time a day uh, to start before an hour before this would begin so that the transition is into screen time and then when the show is over. You know, some, some strategies along those lines that shifts the transition to a different time of day when um, um, that there isn't a pickup, something that is difficult for her daughter to do. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That, that that might be um, a, a practical yeah. thing. Yeah, All those right. transitions are really hard. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Um, and, and one thing, and we'll come back to it, but I do want to, well, well I'll raise this as, as a different, let me read a different uh, scenario. Uh, and this is one uh, that uh, Kamika, you, you sent in uh, as something that you see. A child refuses to get out of bed to shower and dress. The child then cries, screams, and yells for up to 45 minutes. After multiple redirects and offers to assist, uh, the child then becomes more frustrated and becomes physically aggressive. The child gets out of bed and begins hitting the parents with the shoe and crying for an additional 10 minutes. Oh, boy, this is a tough one. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. All right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, so, Jennifer, now we've got a child who is, this is a first thing in the morning. So there is a transition going on, but it's a transition from out of bed to begin the day. So thoughts on some uh, applying some of the core practices. What can we do to help a child who is, uh, not only struggling uh, uh, and, and escalating, but also is becoming physically aggressive. Mm-hmm. I think that that important sometimes looking at um, nutritional things that might be might be going on when they get up first thing in the morning. Um, you know, do they need a little? snack or some hydration could could you know they have water by their bed um are they needing just to kind of have a morning ritual ritual where you know first thing in the day, in the morning we're going to get prepared for the day can i you know lay beside you and and snuggle or can we um you know look at a book together and i know some of those things it's uh, uh, don't don't sound um practical as a parent because you're going you know we've got we have this amount of time and we've got to get to school and work and mm-hmm. and i know that sounds really hard um mm-hmm. but after some time of kind of sticking to to a really a strict um routine because children um need that that routine and consistency and they feel safe when they know what to expect they know every morning you know dad comes in and you know um tickles my feet and we ha- you know we laugh and and have just a, a a fun time you know waking up and 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 getting ready getting ready for the day um just some of those rituals that they know to expect you know, every every morning can be really helpful, um, and just having 
something I, I like to do with children that struggle with kind of some of those transitions throughout the day or become frustrated or, or aggressive even when they're told, you know, no, we can't do that right now, um, is letting them come up with their own their own schedule. I mean, within, you know, some boundaries, but writing out what they think um, with help, you know, if it's just, if it's a child that um, needs some, some help so they can kind of tell you what they would, their task for the day might want to be and kind of come up with a, with a plan and everybody can um, sign it and can be part of it. So there, it's a little bit of, of shared, you know, power and really just asking, asking what, what, what they're needing. Um, and perhaps in this case, giving the child the option to shower at night uh, and maybe every other day. Mm-hmm. If, I, I don't know if shower is the issue. But I think especially if a if a parent has in their head that the way they want to start their day is to get up and shower because that's what mm-hmm. they do, that, in fact, you know, a shower at night uh, works just as well. And um, so giving the child, yeah. this goes back to your compromise and letting the child set their own schedule up to a point and uh, right. but also offering a compromise that it sounds like you're having a hard time uh, with taking a shower in the morning. Would you rather take one at night? Mhm. Yeah, exactly. And looking at what what's going to prevent what's going to prevent this meltdown and if it's yeah, if it's easier to take that shower at night and um and that creates less less stress in the morning and in their morning routine um then then yeah, and that that's something that that is a compromise that that would be okay. You know, okay, so we've talked about ideas for preventing, but what about it when you're in the midst? Okay, Kamika, you're the mother who's gone in, and this child is is screaming and yelling and and now is throwing a shoe at you. So mm-hmm. uh, what can you do in the midst when this kid is, is getting totally out of control? Um, not necessarily to, to prevent, because uh, at this point prevention is <laughs> – is uh, yeah, thanks. It's not going to help me any right now. Uh, what do I do to uh, to get this child calm? Right. I think right. for um, for. Right, go ahead, oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead, um, okay. Um, for me, I think that um, something that I would suggest to a family member um, that would be going through something like this would be to be present. Um, it's super important. Um, to not engage sometimes with children who have become aggressive. So when I say engage, I mean asking lots of questions. Um, I think that might confuse and or irritate a child even more. Um, And so I always tell parents to avoid doing things like that, Um, to avoid um, touching them, to avoid asking lots of questions. Um, Sometimes a child just needs someone to be present and when they are able to kind of calm themselves down is when you go in and you offer that assistance. But in the moment, it does no one any good um, to ask a lot of questions to try to figure out how um, how to make them better or how to make the situation better. It does, in, it does no good to try to rush the situation along um, because we know that we have school to get to or we know that I have work to get to. Um, it just does no good. At the end of the day, um, 
we're, we sometimes need to accept the situation for what it is. We need to accept that at this moment I'm going to be late to work or I'm going to, this child is going to be late to school. Um, and once you're okay with that, it makes it easier for you to be able to accept the situation that's happening right then and there and and be present in that moment and be a little bit more um, able to connect with that child so that child can calm down. And if, if you notice, like sometimes um, parents will be there in that moment and they might start picking up the clothes that the child might have left on the floor or, you know, removing shoes or things that's on the floor. And it distracts that child from how they're actually feeling and catches their attention to where they're focusing more on what you're doing with their things or, or, um, it might even motivate them to come and help pick up some of the things. Um, so there's lots of things that you could do in that moment, but the worst thing that I've seen parents do is try to rush along the situation or um, engage them where a negative outcome is going to come from that, especially when they're aggressive. So uh, what about leaving the child in the room and shutting the door and walking away? I definitely don't recommend that. Um, again, TBRI is all about connectedness, and no child is able to connect when they are alone. Um, a child needs to be, you need to be present with your child so that they are able to connect at any moment when they need to. You don't have to be there to engage, but I would do not recommend leaving a child and closing the door. You need to make sure that the child is safe in their environment and you need to create that safety for them. And so that's why I do recommend some of the parents, especially when there is aggression, that you do start to pick up things that are on the floor. You do start to remove those things from reach of the child so that um, they remain safe and you remain safe as well. Okay. Uh, let's see. Um, one of the things that we we could throw in is is a, a, a little quick discussion of self care. Um, as a parent, uh, I think Jennifer, you were the one who mentioned about it doesn't hurt for the parents to do the deep breathing as well. <laughs> and I was yeah. laughing and thinking, you are absolutely right that one of the things that in the midst of a child who is screaming and yelling over what seems to us is, is, is something inconsequential, being asked to get out of, of bed, uh, and then mm -hmm. starts to throw things at you, one of the things that it's really hard to do is to breathe. I mean, really, I mean, to deep breathe, to calm yourself, because, yes. it, you know, your uh, fight or flight is kicking in as well. Uh, and your anger and your, you know, all of that. So uh, breathing deep, uh, counting to five, uh, taking some of those, um, imagining uh, or maybe even, I don't know, could you, would it make sense to hold your hand up and blow out the candles uh, for yourself, uh, depending on the age of the child, um, if they wouldn't think that was being condescending. Uh, to show that maybe deep breathing so the child will uh, see that you are calming yourself. Thoughts on that one, Jennifer? Yes. No, I think I think it is. It's very needed. Um, and that's, I, I, that's something that gets often lost is what the self-care needs are of 
of the parents um, oh, and yes. because we need we need support and I think um, it, it's really it's important to have um, just you know friends um, that you can kind of lean on for that support to know that you are not the only one out there um, experiencing you know children with with challenging behaviors and that you're not alone having that support is important and if and if you know even if you don't have um a great a great um group of friends reaching out and finding um a support group or looking um for a therapist who can kind of help you work through work through some of that. And also, I think something that's really um, not only important but can be very powerful for parents is to explore their own attachment needs. Um, what that looked like for them, you know, growing up in, in their childhood and why sometimes, you know, we, we start to feel our hearts racing and not understanding, you know, what what is, what is causing this anxiety in me um, when my child is is melting down and throwing shoes at me um where is this coming from and exploring some of of those things within ourselves help us really um just approach things differently and um i think that's that's really important and it and it gets it gets lost a lot in our busy lives is really slowing down and what can i do that's going to meet you know some of my needs whether that's um having some you know some set quiet time every week or um just a night out um doing something that's going to benefit you you know health wise some yoga and and deep breathing just going for a walk sometimes something as little as just 5 minutes of a break um, is really helpful to kind of get you back and um, is, is encouraging so that you can really um, kind of look at look at what's what's going on with your child. Um, sometimes we just need that that little breather ourselves, and it's helpful. Amen. I, you know, we tell people that the single best thing you can do for your child is take care of yourself. And, and and we're real specific. I mean, do something every day that brings you joy. It can be small. It can mean uh, yes. be looking forward to you know binging on the uh, at in the at the end of the day uh, on the latest episode of whatever show you're watching, on uh-huh. <laughs> or going out for a walk, or uh, cuddling up with your husband on the couch. And, and the other thing you said that I want to circle back to is the overwhelming importance of support you know parenting kids who've experienced trauma is hard it just is and and our moms and our sisters and and our best friends are often not people we can turn to to, for support other than just general support because they've never experienced it and sadly sometimes it's the parents who are also judged you know it's well Mm -hmm. you know if you just cracked the whip a little you know junior wouldn't be acting that way and right uh, just the the reaching out, and if you are fortunate to live where there is an in-person support group, hallelujah, praise the Lord. If you are not, then then reach out online. There are so many support groups, and the advantage of an online support group is they're twenty four seven, and uh, one one such support group is 
the Creating a Family support group. It's a closed Facebook support group. It's large, and I guarantee that there is not a single scenario you have experienced that there isn't somebody else who's experienced something similar (laughs) and will come back. But there is also Facebook support groups specific to parents who are uh, trying to apply the TBRI or the Attachment Parenting, Connected Parenting approach. So just start doing some Googling, and if you are struggling uh, with your uh, uh, helping your child uh, regulate and de-escalate, uh, one of the first go-to the action points from listening to this is going to be to f- make certain you're doing something you enjoy every day that fills you up a little because you're giving a lot. And the second yeah. thing is find some support. Uh, come, uh, come heck or high water, find a way. In person is great, but it's it's not an either or. If you don't have in person, or even if you do, uh, make sure you're getting some online support. All right, let me read the next one. This is from Renee. She said, uh, my child threw a fit when we were on vacation and arrived at the hotel for check-in. She was tired and hungry, but instead of taking the snack that we offered, she threw her drink at her dad and flailed on the ground, screaming and crying. Luckily for us, the hotel just assumed the tired the tired child and didn't force us to prove parentage at the time, but it could have been a much bigger situation. Um, this one, this uh, scenario seems to uh, 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 bring to the fore identifying triggers. So let's talk a little about that, Kamika. In this case, the mom, I think, has identified perhaps accurately a tired and hungry child, but that is certainly uh, hunger and uh, exhaustion um, are certainly major triggers. Uh, what are some other triggers uh, that we can see before we start giving specific uh, uh, ways that Renee might have might could handle this when in the moment oh i definitely can see especially when we're on vacation can i can just identify with myself if we are on vacation and i spent um you know four to eight to twelve hours in a car off and on i could keep be pretty irritated uh, by the time we get to our destination and um, not be very compliant with um, having my needs met regardless of if I know I'm (laughs) hungry or thirsty or (laughs) anything. Um, My trigger would definitely, I'm at that point where um, I've reached my threshold and my lid is definitely blown. Um, <laughs> so if you I had a drink, same... you might throw it, huh? Okay, got it. Okay. <laughs> so I can definitely see, um, I mean, those are triggers just in themselves. Um, and then also being able to understand this mom did perfect. She understood exactly what her kiddo needed. That her kiddo needed that drink. Her kiddo needed that snack. But she was just not in a place to accept that. Um So we've gone over the list of triggers. We've identified what could be of help to her. Um, But then here lies the the problem where the child was not accepting of that. And I, I hate to, you know, harp on the same thing, but we need to come to a point where we're accepting we know our child and we're accepting of the fact that there will be times where our child will act out in public. And I think, um, just being able to bring that child into you and stop in that moment, maybe allowing dad to go and check the family in to the hotel and mom taking that child over to the side and just holding her and rocking her and getting her Mm -hmm. to a point where she is calm and she's able to say, okay, I'm ready to have that need met. I'm ready for that cup. 
where I can have juice and I can have my need met. Um, it's really just, again, I hate to go back to it, but it is just mm-hmm. regulating with that child and getting them to a point to where they can accept um, to have their needs met. So getting on that, no, but this is it's good to say the same things because this is it's it's uh, applying the principles. So getting on the child's level, uh, in this case, the child is on the floor. So perhaps a mom sitting on the floor, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, uh, would you ask the child's permission? May I hug you? May I touch you? May I try to help you calm? Would you Absolutely, I would definitely ask um, the child. Can I? Can Mama pick you up? Can Mama pick you up and hold you and rock you? I know that makes me feel better type thing. Just be calm and and soothing. Your voice needs to be very calm and soothing. And don't be tense in your approach. Make sure that you are relaxed and ready to to help that child and, and, and not, I'm telling you, kids can read your body language. So when you approach them, you need to be at a point where you're relaxed because they can feel that your body language is accepting towards them. And and let me, before we move off from this one, let me just say a couple of other possible triggers in this scenario are a lack of routine. Jennifer had had pointed out at the beginning that children, particularly children who have experienced trauma, need a lot of routine. And so uh, travel is nothing. One of the reasons we do travel is is to get rid of our routine. But for certain kids, that is just so darn hard. And also, Lack of physical activity. I mean, I, I don't know in particular where Renee was coming from, but, you know, had they been in a car for a long time? And, again, this is more on the preventative, but uh, perhaps stopping every two hours. Uh, and um, uh, we always traveled with um, toys that could be thrown and caught type of things, not balls because they tended to roll. But um, And we stopped it uh, and had the kids run um, so that there was some physical Activity, trying to establish some of the keep to some of the rough routines uh, from home, particularly if you have a child who becomes deregulated when they when they don't have the routine. Um, mm-hmm. We also have a question that I wanted to read now from Jason that fits directly in this. And Jason says, "Can you help us with how to de-escalate a fit when being thrown in public?" And that's similar to Renee's situation. And and Jennifer, I. One of the things that's just real is that you're embarrassed. You know, if you, if uh, Renee is, I'm not speaking for her, but I'm putting myself in her scenario. I'm checking in, and 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 my child is, you know, through a drink for gracious sakes, and is now mm-hmm. screaming on the floor. I feel embarrassed. I feel that I am being judged when my kid throws a fit in the in the hall in the aisle of the grocery store. You know, I I know that people are going. That's the problem with today's parents. They don't know who the who to how to set the law. You know, they in my generation it wouldn't have happened, or with my kids it wouldn't happen. And we know they're thinking that, and they are. So I'm yeah. embarrassed. Uh, yeah. So how does well, let's be honest? How does embarrassment play? And 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 what do I do as I'm sitting there with my face red and I'm you know knowing that I'm winning the award for bad mom of the year. Right, right, and that that is hard. And I think, yeah, we've probably all all been um, in similar situations. And that's when you start going through, you know, well, all these strategies that I've been given, and and um, you know, 
nothing nothing is working and and what do i do now and and i think something that's important to remember too is is you know strategies can be offered but sometimes what works for one child may not um work for another and that behavior is not always you know willful or purposeful um you know like like you were saying before that that structure and going back to that um vacation scenario it's it's that that structure provides you know the predictability of kind of what's going to happen and what's going to expect and it is it can be very embarrassing as a parent because it looks like you know I can't um manage manage my child and uh-huh. and kind of what do we do and i think um kamika brought up a really good point um earlier well a couple of things talking about um um just rocking that child. I think um, we tend to take some of those those rhythmic um, experiences for granted. Um, we forget how important it is in early development just just to rock our children, to walk with with them. How those patterns really are so um, calming, and and sometimes you know in in that situation where your your child is just screaming and throwing things and you're out in public and not sure what to do, it's okay. Um, it's okay to just jump ship and say, you know what, you have to be all right with I can't finish this errand today and and I need to give you what you need what you need. And so let's let's go home. And whether that's um, you know needing a little bit of that um, jumping on on a trampoline or something, something an activity, um, and I and that's and I know that's that's hard when when you're wanting to get errands done and need to get some mm-hmm. um, it sure things is. done for the day. And it's hard to say I may just not be able to finish. Um, or you know if 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 it's a possibility if you're out in public being able to just just walk away somewhere quiet, go out to the car for a little bit for a break just to um, get a drink or, or listen to some music. Um, and I know so often that's, it's easier said than done, and it, it does mm-hmm. feel embarrassing. Um, and depending still, on think, the situation. Yeah, go well, ahead. I'm sorry. Some, no, no. I think sometimes um, acknowledging the fact that that my child is struggling, that mm-hmm. it, 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 sometimes it's helpful to remind yourself that, as, as inappropriate as their behavior is, they are trying to to meet a need. They're trying to problem solve. They are trying to yeah. do, and and it's in, it's not a very good way that they're doing. It's not a very effective way, but that it's not them trying to push our buttons. It's not them trying to embarrass us. It right. is them doing. And you know, sometimes we all i can so distinctly remember one time i was just having a horrible day and everything that could go wrong and my reaction to it was poor and i turned around to my kids and i said guys believe it or not right now this is the best i can do my son said well it's not very good and i said you're right it isn't you're right but this right now i'm doing the best i can and it really isn't very good and i it it, it i hope it set a message to them that you know sometimes we all try, and, and it helps to remember what it helped me by saying that was to remember when my kids were acting really poorly, that at that exact moment, that was the best that my kid could do. Um, mm-hmm. 
and uh, and somehow that took some of it didn't take the sting of the embarrassment away, but if it was happening in public, but it it put me in a better uh, mental frame to realize that wait a minute, I I have also not <laughs> I've also my best wasn't very good, and right now their best isn't very good, but it's still their best. So something to can I ask? Us to keep in mind. Yeah, please. I, you know, me being a parent, um, I have children in my home. Um, I've been a teacher, and I've given, uh, been in some of those anxiety-driven moments. And one of the best things that works so well um, that I teach some of my parents is teaching them how to ground themselves in the moment so that they can remain in control of themselves. Um, yeah. And so I always try to help parents understand that while you're holding and rocking that child, you too can be using your own coping strategies to deal with that. And so just being in tune with what's around you, um, making sure that you're looking at five things that you see, um, four things that you can touch, um, three things that you can hear, smell, two things that you can smell, and one thing that you can taste. Um, it's so helpful in bringing down that anxiety level so that you're still able to have your need met as well as meet the needs of the child. Let's, let's actually take that. I love that, uh, five, three, four, uh, five, four, three, two, one. Um, all right, let's say that uh, my child, uh, we've gone grocery shopping, and the child uh, wants to be, you know, get something off of, you know, uh, um, of course they put all the, you know, the, the crappy cereal on that we're in the child's level, and the child wants it. I say no, uh, we're going to get the healthier cereal, and the child is starting to escalate. I see the kid beginning to escalate. I know that, you know, I know where this is going to what can I do right at that moment to ground myself? Because I feel myself, I feel as a parent, I know that my, uh-oh, this is going to get bad. She's going to start screaming. She's going to really lose control. Uh, walk me through uh, just an example of uh, how that would look in, in, in real life, Five, four, three, two, one. Well, you would have to do it very quickly in that situation. <laughs> but okay. literally, um, I might not do um, the whole thing. I might start out um, with something that's just quick, grounding myself quickly. What do I see that would make me feel comfortable? And to me, that's colors. Um, uh, colors are something that I can identify very quickly, especially when you're in a situation um, like that. Um, I quickly go to something that is familiar with me, and it brings up sensory inside of me that um, is calming. Um, something that's connected to a good memory. And in therapy, especially as Jennifer said, um, it's important to do therapy and be in tune with yourself so that when you're in those, um, when you're going into your own fight, flight or uh, fright type situations, you you are able to identify, okay, this color means this to me. It's connected to this memory. I'm able to calm down quickly and be able to meet my child's need. Um, and so, if that is something that I would do, that is something that I would do immediately would be to be able to meet my own need by grounding in that moment so that I can quickly get to my child and help them regulate through that situation. Okay. And um, I would throw out, the, for me, deep breathing um, and sometimes putting my hand on my stomach so that I actually feel my diaphragm um, moving out, uh, reminding me to, to, to breathe deep uh, is something that, uh, doesn't always calm me, but um, <laughs> it just as I feel that when that knot in your stomach begins. Now, let's say that you've gotten your your child is now on the floor and is screaming, mm -hmm. 
and um, you uh, have accepted that the shopping trip is going to probably be aborted, and you are on the floor, and you've asked uh, with your child, and you've asked, and child, and you've picked the child up, and are now rocking. Can you walk through the a little more slowly the the uh, I think you said five things to see, four things to smell, or so walk me through that again. Okay. Well, in that moment. Child. Yes. In in that moment, you have your child, and you are rocking, making sure that you're in some type of steady rhythm when you are rocking with them, and that just means sometimes parents do a shh 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 sh- something where that voice, um, it, it it to me it imitates being in mommy's tummy. That's somewhere that's safe, close, um, and you've got them close to you. Um, At that moment is when I would start looking around at some things that I can identify, some things that um, come to me quickly with a good positive memory connected to it. Um, And so, I mean, at this point, you're it's easy to just draw from anything. You have a lot of life experiences, so make sure that when you're you're looking at your five things that you see, that they you connect it with a positive memory. And the same goes for something that I can touch. You might not be able to touch it in that moment, but you have some memory that is connected with it that you can actually remember touching it, and it has some type of positive um, memory connected with it. Same thing goes for hearing. And you can use what you're doing. You can use the sound that you're doing right now with calming your child. Um, Something that you can smell. Be in tune with what's around you that smells good. There's, you're in a grocery store. Um, lemons are something that is helpful to me. Um, bakery, lots of things that you just have to be in tune with what you're, you're smelling as well. And taste, think about what that favorite meal is that you wanted to prepare that week and what that's going to taste like for you, what that's going to feel like when you're eating that meal. Those are things with just being in tune with your body. Okay, you know, and it, it it something that comes to mind that I think people are probably thinking now. Are we on some level encouraging poor behavior? I go back to Doreen's example where her daughter is uh is refusing to pick up and in a way it, it, she's getting away with it or the scenario where the child doesn't want to get out of bed and is is hitting and, and, and screaming and uh and uh perhaps is wanting to avoid school maybe one of and, and in fact is ends up at late at school or the Renee's scenario where her child has actually thrown a drink at her father inappropriate so mm-hmm. uh so how do we connect with our children, help them de-escalate, but also uh, teach proper behavior? Um, are we not encouraging poor behavior by not addressing this, the, the poor behavior that is going on um, during these escalation moments? Mm-hmm. Um, for me, no, I don't think so. I think that it's important to always go back after your child is calm, after you are calm, and talk about what has happened and repair that situation um, and offer times for redos um, and teach them in that moment, hey, I recognize that children will come back and say, I shouldn't have done that. Well, you're probably right. Son, what would you do different in that moment? Next time when we're out in the store, what, do you, what, what would you do different? 
and and walking them through the scenario and teaching them. And if a parent is strong enough and they've dealt with it long enough, wait it out sometimes. Sometimes it's okay to wait it out. Um, as your child understands and starts to self-regulate, the, the tantrums or um, the behaviors are not as long or as intense, and you're able in that moment to teach them what they can do different or help them problem solve through that situation so that they can come out to a solution that they, that they want, that they're not able to get to because their behavior um, is stopping them from being able to do so. So let me make sure I'm understanding. Which uh, after the fact, uh, let's uh, we'll use uh, Renee's scenario. Um, the child has been calmed. Uh, they have checked into their room. Um, are what you, are you suggesting that after the fact that you would sit down with your child and talk about and say how could you have done? What could you do different? Is that what you mean when you say a redo? Yes. Uh, so um, redos can be totally. It, two different things. So when I say that, I mean, we can sit down and we can point out, I noticed that you were upset and you threw your drink at daddy and it probably hurt daddy. Is there a way that you could have handled that situation different? What can we do different when we're upset or we're tired or we're hungry and help them be able at their level, of course, help them be able to um, process through that and come to a solution of how they would do things differently and then being able to go back and actually redo it. Don't be afraid to go down to the lobby where that incident happened and your child be able to at that moment say, oh, my gosh, let's pretend that this is daddy and you're tired and you're sick. I'm sorry, not sick, but you're tired and you're sleepy or you're tired and you're hungry and you want something from us, but we're not able to accept it at that moment. How would you do it different? What could we do different? You can make it as playful as you want to, but you have to go back and teach within that moment so that the next time that it happens – it doesn't happen the way that it happened before. Or if it does happen again, it's not as intense as it was before. Um, just try to use every, um, every moment possible to reteach the be- a desired behavior that you want from your child. So in the the store example, uh, uh, Jennifer, how would be uh, the, the example where the child uh, wants the um, – Lucky Charms or whatever, and and you don't want to, and you so and throws a fit. What would be an example of a uh, of a redo, Jennifer, for that scenario? Right. Well, a couple of things because I I, I hear that you know often that sometimes it um, it can feel you know permissive, um, mm-hmm. and I, I think doing those redos really are what is going to um, kind of hold that child accountable for their behavior. And that is, that is important. Um, and I, I think it's important it to, to go back after the fact and, and yeah, say, okay, look, I know you, you um, really w- wanted that cereal. What is a, is a way that you think you could have asked for that without screaming in my face or without um, kicking me? And I think the other thing that's really um, important to remember is there is a lot of power in yes. And that does not mean um, that we tell our children yes to every request they want because that's that's not life, and sometimes the answer is just going to be no. But mm-hmm. if we can give them the give them that answer um, without 
you know, using the word no, because often a child um, who has trouble regulating, they hear no, and then they hear nothing else. They mm-hmm. shut down, and that's when they go to the floor and start screaming. And so mm-hmm. if we, you know, when they're pointing out, I want the the cocoa puffs, rather than saying, no, we're not getting those today, try, you know, oh, wait a minute, I see I see uh, Rice Krispies and um, Raisin Bran. Which one of these would you like? Off, you know, offer a compromise. And there's going to be days where that doesn't even work. And sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, they're 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 not going to want any of the choices that you're giving them. And that's mm-hmm. when uh, sometimes it's easier at that point to just remove them from the situation. Mm-hmm. But it is important to go back and. And, you know, even just using puppets and, and have them practice asking for the cereal disrespectfully. And they think it's funny and they start giggling. And, you know, it's, it's like, well, ask for those, those pops um, in, your, in your mean voice. And then they can practice with the puppet saying it disrespectfully. Now show me how, how to ask for those, that cereal um, respect, respectfully. And, and giving them those chances to practice, and that way it becomes more of, more of a, a, a routine. And um, I think the goal is just to teach your child while staying connected with them. That way they can trust you, that when sometimes when the answer is just no, they, it doesn't result in as big of, you know, a meltdown. I love the idea of using puppets. We did that um, uh, not infrequently, and it, uh, is, is, it feels like a safe way of going back and redoing the situation. And you're right, there can always be some silliness, which uh, that goes back to the introducing a lightness and the playfulness when we're working with kids who can sometimes be challenging. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I, it, the other thing, this, this again comes back more to the prevention, not the handling in the moment. But right. one thing that, that you, uh, I don't remember which of you mentioned, I think it was you, Jennifer, at the beginning, um, is thinking in terms of teaching compromise and an example of that in this scenario of the throwing a pitching a fit in the grocery store is uh, over cocoa puffs uh, would be uh, that I think as parents we sometimes think that if we compromise with our children that we are being lenient that we're giving in but in this scenario if you think about it okay why do you not want the kids to have cocoa puffs well it's because it's you know trash and it's pure sugar or whatever but is there one day a week that you have dessert? And if so, could you say, well, you know, I don't want cocoa puffs in the morning because it's, you know, let's look how much sugar is in it. Oh, why? You know, mm-hmm. 50% sugar or whatever it is. Um, and, you know, your body can't grow on 50% sugar first thing in the morning. But you know what? After a, you know, after a meal on family night on Friday night, we always have ice cream. What if this week we have cocoa puffs? And we'll get, you know, you know that type of, of teach a compromise uh, or offer a compromise which is a way of teaching a compromise. Uh, Jennifer, would that be effective? Yes. Yes. Okay. That that's that's a that's a wonderful compromise and then you're also um you know validating that you you hear that they they want those cocoa puffs and and that's <laughs> something that the parent is okay with and that the, that might be great for the child too. Yeah, that's a wonderful compromise and and sometimes if there isn't a compromise it's okay to just say, you know, I I know it hurts when you can't have what you want, and I love you. And rather than, you know, responding in, you know, anger, but um, but no, that's a that's a great compromise. Letting them have that as a dessert, and 
Mm-hmm. And I think so so, we, it's just, yeah, I'm sorry, go ahead. So when we talked about redo, we talked about a, a, a actual redo of the scenario, walking after the child has completely calmed down, going back through the aisle, uh, after the, and we've talked a bit to the kid about uh, more appropriate ways to ask and all that type of stuff. So that's one type of redo. Another type of redo is uh, after the fact uh, going to the same location and talking about the, the, uh, the, the scenario and what they could have done different. Another one uh, is acting it out, play acting it out after the fact of, uh, of, of a mommy and her uh, uh, mommy puppet or a mommy uh, stuffed animal going grocery shopping with her, you know, uh, little stuffed animal. So all of those, and then there's uh, then the last one, which I believe Kamika had talked about, was the talking about it, redoing it verbally about what are some other things. So those are all opportunities for uh, redo. But what about the if a child has uh hurt in some way uh another person uh, the uh, uh Renee's daughter throwing the drink um 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 Doreen's daughter ruining everybody's dinner what about the concept of making amends after the fact is that something that fits into the uh TBRI uh philosophy uh if you have harmed then you come up with a way to make amends uh, Kamika, is is that something that uh, would address the feeling that some people have that this approach is is basically letting kids get away with poor behavior? No, well, I definitely um, we call that repairing, um, and that means just repairing the situation. Um, and for instance, if if the baby hit daddy with the cup, um, that would be going to um, apologize to daddy and saying, daddy, I'm sorry that I hurt you. Or even going, and if the child is small, even being going, taking that child and going over to daddy and showing that child where that cup hit daddy and having daddy say, ow, that really hurt. And the child being able to see what empathy looks like, being able to say, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to hurt you type situation. And even if us parents, we might handle situations bad. We might need to repair at that moment as well. We might need to say, I'm sorry for um, mommy handled that totally wrong. And if mommy was in a better state, I would have done it like this. So next time this is what I'm making a commitment to try to do it this way. And you're teaching them at that moment. Um, You're repairing, you're teaching them, and you're leading by example. So there are are always opportunities for you to help your child repair, for you to repair a situation. Repairs can go both ways. So redo and repair are just as important uh, after the fact as as how we handle it in the moment once a child has escalated. So we've talked about uh, a couple of things in this hour. We've talked about recognizing the triggers ahead of time so that's preventative trying to understand establishing routines making sure our children are rested and fed and trying to see understand the need that they have and trying to meet it in a healthy way so as to prevent um, modeling compromise modeling uh, regulation identifying feelings uh, talking um, and asking for uh, what we need and so all of that is on the preventative then we've talked about in the midst of an escalation, doing everything we can to uh, help the child regulate and not 
uh, not further the escalation, not engaging with the child, asking permission before you touch, getting on the child's uh, level uh, with uh, when we're and, and focusing, uh, trying to as best we can focus on their preciousness in that moment, which I'll grant you is awfully difficult. Uh, but getting in, uh, and so that's handling and sometimes quite frankly, just removing our, accepting the reality that we're going to be late or we're not going to uh, get our grocery shopping done or all the plans for today have been shot, just accepting that uh, and, and doing your best to regulate yourself, um, which, and then the whole idea of self-care we've talked about, uh, being very important on the preventative, quite frankly. That can, self-care for parents, preventative, falls in the preventative. Uh, but then after the fact, after a child has had an incident, uh, going back and giving them the opportunity to redo and and repair um, and doing it in a respectful way and not a punitive way because we're, we're trying to teach. Um, let's see, Kamika, has that a fairly good summary <laughs> of all yes. that we have covered? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that pretty much sums it up. Okay, uh, I will give you each uh, one last chance. Is there anything else you would like to tell parents who are uh, are facing a child who escalates and, and are trying to figure out uh, de-escalation? Any last, uh, I'll, I'll let you, Kamika, have the last word here. Any last words of wisdom? If there is anything that I can walk away with trying to remind parents to do is parenting, although it's hard, it is truly a joy. Um, being, us being blessed with children, we're able to serve that child and picking out um, every moment at the end of the, your day something positive that took place. Look at something that, that you say, oh, this was a change. And mm-hmm. even if it is so tiny, but being able to look at that tiny, tiny improvement and being okay with that. And having playful moments throughout the day with your child, no matter how short it is or how long it is, just being able to enjoy those, it's just, it makes getting up and doing it the next day worth it. Oh, you are, I, I couldn't agree with all, I couldn't agree with you more uh, on everything, especially the uh, thinking of one thing that child did, one thing, and sometimes it helps when they're asleep to be thinking of it while you look at them looking so angelic. Um, and trying to remember um, uh, the one thing, and then keeping adding a little bit of lightness at some point, something that's uh, that helps you remember that that this child is an enjoyable human being, uh, um, and that uh, we are uh, fortunate uh, to be able to be this child's parent. Thank you so much, Kamika Hart and Jennifer McCallum, both from uh, Buckner Children and Family Services, for being with us today. Uh, let me remind everybody that this, uh, the, the intent of this is to provide uh, general, general advice to understand how to apply it to your specific situation. You need to work with your a adoption professional. Thank you so much for being with us today. Let me also take a moment to remind everyone that uh, this show is brought to you by the support of our our uh, partners who believe in what we do. And what we do are things like this, <laughs> things like this show, uh, helping parents understand how to be better, better parents. One of our wonderful partners is Spence Chapin. They are a licensed and accredited nonprofit organization in the New York City metro area that has been offering adoption services for over, get this, 100 years. Wow. 
they have a robust post-adoption service provided to all parts of the triad, birth parents, adoptive parents, and adoptees. Uh, and they, they really stand behind the idea that they are with you. Adoption is a, is a lifelong journey, and they are in it from the beginning until the end. Uh, thank you, everyone, for being with us today, and I will see you next week. Now at the Home Depot, save up to 35% off appliance special buys, like the Samsung stainless steel side-by-side refrigerator, just $9.98. You save $300. It's big enough to hold 25 bags of groceries. Unload those, and if that makes you thirsty, you'll really love the external ice maker and water dispenser. Today is the day for doing. Spring Black Friday savings now at the Home Depot. More saving, more doing. U.S. only while supplies last. See store for details valid through April 17th. Come to the Home Depot this month and you'll learn a thing or two. Actually, three, with three free do-it-yourself workshops. Learn how to design and care for your container garden by selecting the best soil and aesthetically arranging your plants. Learn how to install tile flooring, even how to keep your outdoor deck and patio space in the best shape possible. See, it's never too late to learn something new. Register today at homedepot.com workshops for a do-it-yourself workshop near you. Only at the Home Depot. More saving, more doing.